Hey guys, what's going on? It is Greg and Scott and Zach, and uh, we're here with another uh, Behind the Message. Zach and Scott are dancing and doing weird stuff. Come on. What's going you can't on? Just tell, you can't just lie to people about stuff like that. He poured his LaCroix and Scott's coffee. It tastes terrible. We're calling it LaCroffee. We're going to start something new for our coffee shops. Come in and get a LaCroffee today. We're trying to decide if it would be a good idea if, as a pastoral staff, all three of us uh, collectively together grew rat tails. I think it's a good idea. Amber said no. Yeah, she didn't really hear well, us out, though. Amber doesn't really know what she's talking about. Yeah, maybe she wouldn't notice Sorry, in Amber. the first 18 months. Maybe <laughs> she wouldn't notice. I'll just tuck it in over our turtleneck all the time. <laughs> you just always have a ball cap on. Just <laughs> up over yeah, the just top of your head. Just coiled it. Yeah. Coiled the reason she's going to find out is because it'll poke out the front of your cap. <laughs> Scott, what's that growing on your forehead? You know, because, I mean, life is full, and sometimes when you say... I'm going to add one more thing on to my life. You just go, I don't know if I can do it. One more thing. But this is something that I feel like you can do. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it'd be fairly easy to be successful at this. Oh, yeah, capacity. I, I just, believe every, in us. Every time I do my super clip, great clips, this is this podcast is sponsored by Great Clips. Yuck. <laughs> As some of the $10 hot towel massage and haircut. As somebody whose last right? name is oh, Barber, I find offense in Great Clips. Okay, but... Every time I go to Great Clips, I'll have to give clear instruction. Do not touch the rat tail. <laughs> Leave the tail alone. Do you, are you really want this thing back there? Then, then it'll add so much more content to the conversation while at Great Clips. Yeah. Why? I think is how it'll go. It'll yes. Just, I think this is a good new evangelism tool. We somehow paint a picture of the gospel through rat tail. No, no, no. We do the... Eventually, probably give it about six six months, we can do those beads. Yeah. Those, those evangelism the, beads. The colored beads, totally. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're talking about oh, rat sorry. tails again this week. But uh, what's going on in the corner church world this week, Greg? Uh, this is our first... Uh, what are you doing over there? What? I didn't know what you were doing. <laughs> yeah. This is our first week of partnership classes, uh, opportunity for uh, people to uh, invest into community, take ownership. Uh, it's a celebration of publicly expressing commitment to community. Yeah, that thing, what he said. Yeah, it's good. That's the first week of this. Uh, I'm in. I'm speaking in Camden this week, so we'll be excited to be up with uh, the... Camden Folk. Yeah, Saxon and Northwood. Yeah. Right now we're sitting in Uptown. If you hear commotion going on in the background, it's because uh, we're not in a isolation chamber. We're not we actually we decided to meet in the bathroom because it's the quietest spot in the whole building. Yeah. So <laughs> That's true. not true. We're, we're not in the bathroom, but no. we're right next to it. We're right next to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. we're going to jump into uh, a message here in a couple minutes. And uh, thanks for joining us. Welcome back. Um, We've been doing flip-flops. We have been so doing... Just, I, not I wearing flip-flops, doing oh, flip-flops. <laughs> so, one thing that we do a handful of times a year... Handful? Two? Three times we a year? We try and do it. We, we have the ideals to do it a lot. Hopefully more uh, times. Uh, the goal in 2019 is that we'll do it three times. This yeah. is our second. 
Really? No, first time. We did one last year. Oh, well, it's hard to count. <laughs> but numbers hard. The goal in this is that, <laughs> that we uh, um, uh, we do team preparation and uh, every week so that. Again, not so that we'd all say the exact same thing, but that we would uh, just what we would say would be better. And on these weeks, uh, we we go independently, and then uh, in creating these these messages, we then share them at each each of our communities. And uh, one thing that we've talked about in the future is that it would be so great to add a couple other people to this process, so that we could have uh, weeks that we're doing these flip flops where we're still present in our community, but not not speaking. And so and give opportunity for people to share the message that they wrote multiple times. Yeah, we are going to do that. Well, yeah. It's not just an idea. It's going to happen. It's, it's what we're doing. We don't... Yeah. So, this is message... Uh, I feel like... I feel like the beginning place of this whole message that I wrote, this mess that I put on paper, is... Uh, Actually, nothing is on paper. When have you put anything on paper? <sighs> What's paper? What really what, is yeah, paper? Yeah, what is paper it, anymore? It's on white screen. <laughs> on white screen. How much carbon footprint does this nine pages of notes create compared to nine pages of paper? I'm sure paper is much earth more earth friendly that was good words <laughs> much more much, earth. much, much earth, earth more friendly earth friendly earth. yeah paper earth why say lot words <laughs> why say lot word when few word can do trick yeah uh so I felt jeez this has been an interesting one already uh I felt I felt like I should so I like I think there's like a world where people expect other people, especially pastors or leaders, to have things figured out. And so in writing this message, I wanted to kind of open up the doorway of just some thoughts and things that have been going through my mind that I've been feeling, uh, I've been wrestling with, and things that I feel like my thoughts are not complete in. Which, for me, that's a lot of faith, is like this journey. And so uh, the journey of faith is a big part of that. Um, but I, I always start by being at this place of... Uh, I, I started the last couple of weeks talking about my dad. And uh, my dad had this habit of always telling me things that were not true as a kid. Like sarcasm? Mm, not quite sarcasm, but more like... Trying to trick you? Yeah. But then he would never tell me that... He wasn't that he was joking. Kind of like we're like trying to get our kids to call animals by their noises, not their names. Yeah. So that when they get into elementary school, they'll get made fun of. Yeah, like for me, the one I remember so vividly because I was so embarrassed was it was like a junior high science class. We were talking about space, and uh, I realized in conversation with my teacher, she had asked a question about. You know something about how how do the planets stay in space or something? Uh, I I responded by saying, "Well, don't the north and south poles hold up the sun and the moon?" And I was thought my entire life that yeah. the purpose of the north pole and the south pole was to hold up the sun. They're, they're poles. They're literal literal poles. like flat poles yeah. that go all the way up into space. Is your dad flat Earth society? <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, but it's like this moment of like, oh, I really can't trust anything my dad has ever told me. Yeah, and sometimes intentions are okay. Sometimes it's like oh, I don't want my kids to have to deal with the reality that Santa doesn't exist. Spoiler: If there's kids listening, I guess I should have said it before. Hey, Santa doesn't. Exist. 
Santa's Santa's not real. (laughs) When I was five, my parents had my half-brother dress up as Santa on Christmas Eve and walk through our front door and give us all of our gifts. And I believed in Santa until fourth grade because of that one moment. My parents. Do you remember that when you, when you found out? Yeah, it was. I was a little disappointed. What? How did you find out? Uh, my mom told me. She said, "Hey, uh, we need to talk about Santa." She's like, remember, remember that time Santa gave you your gifts? Yeah, that was great. Well, it, it wasn't really Santa. What do you mean, mom? Well, it was your brother. No, no, it wasn't. Yeah, you need to go look at our photo albums. Take a closer look at Santa. <laughs> The best thing is, is that your mom, either on her own or with with your dad, had a conversation like, "We gotta, we gotta talk to him. We gotta tell him. We gotta have the talk." And for you, the talk meant Santa. (laughs) Yeah. I wonder if they were feeling guilt in that moment. That's so great. I hope so. Because my dad never had those moments of feeling guilt for any of the things he told me. Like I believed in Santa until high school because. You no did? Me. You did? Yeah. My dad was... You guys a, are so disturbing. He was a terrorist. <laughs> don't blame me. Blame my parents. Okay? Yeah, I don't know. I, I was a good kid believing anything my dad said. That's so great. I am the person that... Yeah, I'm sorry. I just... I'm sorry. Uh, I, I did have a moment. We I own a Santa suit. A pretty good one. And uh, just as in December... I put it on and I walked into one of our coffee shops just during the business hours and uh, all of a sudden right as I walked in a mom and her son or daughter I can't remember came walking in the door and all of a sudden just like I'm sure they could see the shock on my face when all of a sudden I realized oh no you have to be, have have to to be, be Santa right now <laughs> and right now this, that was probably four or five years ago now this kid is a fourth grader and still thinks Santa believes in Santa. Santa lives yeah. in the North Loop. <laughs> and it's all, it's all <laughs> he hangs out. He gets coffee, a quarter coffee. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. And we have this, we can make decisions in those moments uh, when we find out something we think or believe or we thought we knew. Uh, I love that your mom listens to this and you called your dad a terrorist. Yeah. It's okay. Right? <laughs> uh, I, don't know, I don't know if we should use terrorists too lightheartedly there. <laughs> Just, Anyone that terrorizes somebody for fun. I, I don't For fun seems like a... Maybe for fun's not the right word. And I, I just bring that up because these guys scold me all the time on words I use from the eighties. So yeah, uh, I, I'm just, I'm just, guys, I'm just trying to bring some reason. Scott, Scott is uh, okay. Let's move. On. He's our resident Michael Scott. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. Is that a compliment? No, it's not a compliment. No, yeah, of course it is. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. And greatest uh, boss in the world. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh man. But we have these moments where we decide, figure out things that we thought or believed or knew. Uh, Maybe we didn't have the whole story. Maybe um, things have changed. Uh, maybe we just didn't know all the facts. And so we have we have decisions in those moments. We can we can choose to change. We can choose to double down. Uh, we can choose uh, whatever we want. And I think it's it's kind of similar in our faith process. Like we have these moments, and you know. For a long time, I thought faith was a static thing that you just, you got to this moment you said, all right, I believe. That's it. I've got it. I'm in. I'm a part of the crew. Uh, But if it's so static, then why, why do we continue to pray or read our Bibles? Why do we have groups and conversations? There's something 
there's something that is continual that's happening over and over with faith that doesn't just end at one decision. Um, it's much more relational than it is just like a list of facts. Like I think you can believe all the facts but not have faith. And so just like wrestling with what that means. Um, when I got married, it, I didn't like stand up on the altar and say, look at me, I've arrived, I've made it. I've crossed the barrier, and uh, now I don't have to do anything else. Kelsey Kelsey would not enjoy that. Just to say, I've made it, and I've done my part. All right. Yeah, the wedding was like a, it's the beginning. It's not, like, it's the beginning of our relationship, not the end. And it's like a constant learning, like, relational. And a lot of this, I compare faith to the relationship with my spouse, because I think that's the most realistic way that I can think about it. And uh, relationships are not static. Like, what happens to somebody if somebody you have a relationship with, what if you just stopped investing into that relationship? What if it just became static? Like, what if I said, Zach, I'm your friend, but then we never, there's nothing else that ever happened. Like, does that really mean anything? What if you, if you say, when you first meet somebody, you say, man, I, it's so good to know you. And there's some truth in that, but that depth of knowing is really, really shallow. Mm-hmm. And as you get to know more, uh, <clears throat> you can have realizations that you were really wrong, or that the story goes a lot deeper, or uh, you you build understanding that when somebody does something outside of what you know or understand from their backstory, it can be really confusing. And that takes a it's a humbling moment to go, oh, I didn't know that, I didn't understand that. And that's true in a relationship. That's true in some things. And I, I mean, I know where you're going in this, but the, it's so humbling to go, or even humiliating to go, uh, you know what I really thought before and who I really was before? It had some needs improvement. It was really tied to it. And then you look at right now and say, you know what, right now needs improvement. That's, that's humbling. And it's much easier to just go, I'll never change because if I never change, I apparently never needed improvement. Yeah, and like I think headed that direction, I start thinking about so if, if faith is relationship, what does relationship look like? And then like you get to this point where you're like, okay, I'm supposed to have a relationship with God. And it's like this big idea that sometimes feel like feels like it doesn't actually mean anything. Hmm. Like who is, I don't, I can't fully know God. So if relationship is getting to know him better, well, then I, I can never fully do it. It's this big abstract idea. Uh, so like, like, what is a God? What is God? What is it? Like, how do I relate to him? And it's part of the reason that the humanity of Jesus is so important. Uh, I wrote a bunch of scripture down and like it just tells like all of the humanness of who Jesus was. He was born, he grew up, he got tired, uh, he got thirsty, he got hungry, he died. And like we like to focus so much on Jesus's miracles and the resurrection and uh, like the happy ending of the story that we forget that like he probably had dirt under his nails and he had a sense of humor and uh, he had friends and he he had real tears and he had a like he was a carpenter and I think when we try to have a relationship with God without remembering the humanity of Jesus we can often miss 
what Jesus can teach us about who we are and who we're supposed to be as humans. I mean, we could talk about the Bible in a similar way. Like, if the Bible is, like, we can be, make it this inspired thing and then we it's our job to defend it and stand up for it and teach it. And, like, we end up not, like, engaging with the story or reading it. Uh, we skip to the moral of the story or the sermon and we miss what the story is actually all about. Uh, or we talk about like the purpose of people use phrases like saving souls and it's all about eternity and that becomes the whole focus is like we're scared of people going to hell but the reality is a lot of people live in hells today that are pretty awful and so it's easy to build a faith about what we're against because that way we know who's in and who's out but like what does it mean that Jesus was human, that all of those miracles and stuff are just part of the story, that he he slept, he ate, he had friends. Jesus he probably farted. He farted, yeah. He totally did. I like to say that Jesus had diarrhea. Yeah. Do you think so, Scott? Oh boy! Diarrhea since Easter. I, I do think <laughs> <laughs> there was there was the obligatory naturally support. I, I do think that um, with all of these experiences, you know, when you focus on outcomes, uh, you know we're going into Mother's Day, and uh, Mother's Day can be a moment where just like any of those Valentine's Days, some of those same things, but if if you do something that's really expressive in that obligatory moment without story behind it, it's, uh, it's pretty pretty shallow, pretty empty. So if you just say, uh, if you love and appreciate your wife, your mom, on Mother's Day really intensely, but the rest of the year you could care less, are not appreciative, not loving, it's empty in the same way that if you just look at uh, if you just say, Jesus died for my sins so that I can have eternity in heaven. You say eternity in heaven. That's not what I want is eternity in heaven. As, as opposed to, again, longing for, understanding, going into the depth of what relationship with Jesus is. And I, I know, I, I think that it's, it's hard to understand what relationship with Jesus is. But it's also really hard to understand what relationship with people is, too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think, so we talked about process, so talking about faith and process, and then this idea that Jesus was a real person that had real similar experiences, because it, those his experiences are important, because we, I can relate to him because he threw up, because he slept, like, I, I have had similar experiences, and uh, that's how a relationship can start, but then... So we turn the picture to ourselves, and if Jesus was a good teacher of how to be human, not trying to emulate and be God, but just the humanness of Jesus, then what? What is? How do we quantify what a good person is? Zach, mm-hmm. exactly. what, what would be your criteria if you were to judge what a good person? What is a good human? I think it's incredible with Jesus' picture that he was tempted in all ways as we are yet 
did not sin, and we often focus on the sin part, the don't part. But I think so much of faith and relationship with Jesus is a lot more of the do and the come with me and the let's do this together and here's the thing I have for you. It's like the difference between when you're running in a race and you have someone cheering you on saying, don't give up, don't give up, compared to keep going, keep going. And what I see in Jesus, his life, his relationship, I think with his father was like a very much a clear picture of I do what the father has sent me to do. And uh, what is it like to be tempted in all ways as a human and to not sin? We often focus on like, oh, well, he just he got all the sin stuff right. And now we have to make sure we don't do the wrong things so that we can be like him. But I think it's a, a following and doing the things he did. We focus on the do and the things we're uh, walking toward. Yeah, we can push it even further. Not only like what is what is the criteria to be good, but why should I even care or why should I even do it? Sure. Like what is our what is as Christians, what is our motivator? I know I've heard motivators that uh, are probably not good motivators. I think the motivation and also the process of it is just thinking of Jesus thematically and we see the Gospels is that he's continually pushing back to the Shema of loving God and loving others. Yeah. And then and then two, he's always in the theme of this, he's calling out people that are focused on the external and just celebrating people that are focused on the internal. And uh, when it's when we see that being a good person is not a not about a show. Uh, it's about an internal, internal reality, internal being, and it's not about. It's not a selfish thing. And it's not a thing in a vacuum. It's, it's, it's truly is this depth of love for, for God and for others, and uh, mm. and then that perfection in that is made through Christ, but also in that being made perfect in Christ is that. Uh, we're tied to it as well. Jesus doesn't do do it to us. And so when you go back to the why, you know, if if, if our why is to look respectable, uh, or if I this is something I've felt before, and I feel like if I would say my perspective in Christianity that has changed over time is that I've I know that it's not about what I do, but. Man, Jesus really likes it when I really do these things, and I just want Jesus to like me. Yeah. And uh, what I do matters, but what I do does not make Jesus like me or not like me. Yeah. I mean, First Corinthians thirteen two. I can have prophecy, fathom all mysteries and knowledge. I have faith and move mountains, but if I do not have love, I'm nothing. Like that love is is the motivator. But what does that actually look like? How how can we be motivated by love? And it goes back to the very beginning, that relationship, that process, that love is found in process. That love is found in daily commitment. It's not this one-time gesture we make. It's found in the culmination of things. Like, I can't make Kelsey feel loved because one time I said it to her, or one time I showed it to her. But it's because it's a daily thing, because it's been going, because she knows we have past in history. We've had time together. And she knows she can rely on my love because of that. 
I think there's uh, part of experiencing and expressing love. I mean, it's not complete, but you, you can bring up the Chapman languages. I think bringing those things to our understanding of love and relationship with God too. That some of it is love languages. Love languages, yeah. Is some of it is Stephen Curry's Chapman. I, uh, <laughs> I love yeah, it's Gary. <laughs> the Gary Gary was the long lost cousin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's Gary. I think it's Chapman. Anyway, but the. But the love languages being this idea of, of quality time, or acts of service, or physical touch, or um, gifts, and I don't remember what the other one is. But the, th- the same uh, reality is, is we hear, express, um, our, have growing love in our relationship with God. You know, dwell on the, let those things be uh, filters to the process, or initiators in the process, that you would... Uh, have not just singular, singularly focus on one aspect of what it is to love God, but to love and experience God's love in, in all these different facets and focuses. So. Well, the unifying thing, and and what I actually ask people to do is each table to make a list of all the ways you could show somebody that you love them. And then I did this some stupid Google searching of how to show your spouse you love them. And they're they're lovely, which essentially talk and listen, touch, experiences together, compliments, gifts, all those things. But the like the unifying factor in all of those things is the words of affirmation. Words of affirmation. That's number five. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, but the unifying thing in all of the ways that we show love is there's a time component. It's a time to think of the gift, time to take the moment to like even if it's just a moment to share there's a time investment in that thing and I and I wonder if that time investment to show love is the reason that Jesus became human because it took even the God who God of everything who created everything he couldn't look at you Scott or Zach and just say I love you and like for you to believe it like he can't he couldn't force that on you well the deal is I think the God we believe in is one who created time that he's not bound by it and what what more a greater picture of love than a God who's willing to bind himself to things that he doesn't have any reason to bind himself to to literally force himself into something he created Um, I mean in the Trinitarian view of God God has existed for all time, never created. He's outside of time. That he, He's not bound by what we're bound by as humans, day-to-day, minute-to-minute. Um, and what great love to say, I'm going to step into time so that these people can have an actual physical connection point with me and walk with me, and I'm going to walk with them. Uh, that's a that's a great love. It's a very deep love. I mean, the the character of God that you see in creation, this world we're in, seasons. You see uh, birth, life, death. You see the even the you know what was not known for so long about the orbiting of planets and the spinning. All all these things point towards process and. Uh, um, what we're in is a gigantic system that has a reciprocating process, oscillating process. And when we realize that if that's part of the character of God is to create things that are processed, and God doesn't seem to, uh, it seems pretty rare that he intercedes in the midst of process. Normally it's the creation, the beauty of birth, life, death. 
is, is that is God doing the miraculous. And so when we think about relationship and would think that, yeah, it should be just something we turn on. It should be just done in an instant. Faith should be something it's that it's kind of ridiculous. If you see that what God has created is process, uh, we should uh, see that also in the process of relationship with others, but also in the relationship with Him. Yeah. And what I once viewed as the end goal of church, Christianity, Jesus, the Bible, of getting people to this place where they were, I mean, this place for me was. You know, you would talk about your testimony that I once believed that I had to, all I had to do was accept Jesus in my heart and ask him to forgive my sins and I'd be good. Like, that was the finish line. That was my get out of hell free card. That was my inclusion into community. That was my uh, opportunity to trust in God. And not that those things are wrong or bad or anything, but I don't think they're the end anymore. In fact, I think they're the beginning. And just like I talked about my wedding day, it was not that I didn't arrive in that moment. But it said I was making a commitment to a bigger, larger process. The same faith is the same way. It's not static. It's dynamic. It grows. It changes. And uh, the humanity of Jesus uh, encourages me in that process that God would submit himself to our um, things that only, or things that uh, we understand, would submit himself to time, would submit himself to. Uh, live on this earth uh, really shows that less love time love, motivated love is shown through time with people and time with God and uh, so if I'm going to invest in that process then I have to choose what's my next step of investment what's, where am I going to put my time where am I going to put those things it's, it's so weird is that I mean I've definitely felt in my past and I it still can linger in me is that if I knew more, you know, what's the barrier if I, if I for, for faith or for parenting or for pastoring or all these things, nothing. I just feel ill-equipped, which means I just don't know. And uh, I, we've talked about it in this Behind uh, the Message podcast before. It's something that we just as friends in this, we talk, you know, information is really, really cheap. That it's becoming more so in our modern uh, all information available age but forever information really has been the cheap part of faith and relationship with God and it really comes down to uh, application and like processing bringing it into our own narrative and then living things out choosing to live things up and when we say oh man do you know what I need to really be better Christian is if I just understood it better and uh Understood it better does not necessarily yield anything. Yeah. It's, it's taking it to true relationship yeah. and true, true internalizing and processing. It. And so that's that's even like a filter as we continually teach on a weekly basis is that in, information is part of the process, but we can't just end there. Yeah. And I think that's the point is uh, it's not done. It's not over. It's not. It's not finished. And. Uh, Answers like, I don't know. Answers like, I'm struggling with this. Answers like, man, I thought this yesterday and now I don't. And my beliefs in that have changed. Uh, those are things that should be encouraged. And those are things that we should dwell in as we try to figure out our next faith steps. Don't, don't 
there's no need to pretend like you have it all together because um, the only person you're tricking is yourself. The only person you're hurting is yourself. Um, I won't. If, if Kelsey and I didn't talk ever, but we pretended to have it all together, it would not be helpful to either of us. Yeah, there's some there's some layers to that too. If you're if you're like me, you might have a realization that you're just trying to get all the answers, and then feel really bad about the fact that you're just trying to get all the answers. Mm-hmm. And even in that, as as you feel bad about whatever, know that this God that we pursue and believe in. He's the guy who's present as close as he can be in the midst of us feeling bad about going about things the wrong way as if he would be if we were going about things the right way. Uh, He's not going to shift or change in that. And um, I've seen him to be that. At the moment where I feel like I'm at my worst as far as faith goes is where I've tried to manipulate things because I'm living out of fear or living out of trying to get him to appreciate me or see my work. Um... He's shown himself to be just as present there and not out of obligation. It's a real thing. Well, thanks guys for joining us today. Uh, This doesn't have a, this one doesn't have a pretty bow on it. And that's the point. And uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for engaging in community. I just want to encourage you wherever you're at to uh, engage in conversation, faith minded conversations. You don't have to have the answers. Ask good questions. Uh, engage with Christ, engage in this process. Um, If you're ever in Minneapolis, we'd love to grab coffee with you. If you live here, we'd love to invite you to join us uh, at any corner coffee location uh, for a Sunday morning gathering. And uh, we appreciate you guys, and we'll talk to you later. Bye.